Good morning again, everyone. It's good to see you on this sunshiny day. God has given us, I'm thankful for no snow. I'm sorry for all of you who are skiers. But I hear they can make that fake now, so you should be okay. Well, welcome back to our second week of this series, The Language of the Soul. We want to begin 2023 with a strong reminder that everything that we do and everything that we seek to be begins and ends and is carried all the way through with prayer. And we call this the language of our soul because we know that all of us in some way, shape, or form have a, a sense that not everything is right, not just in the world though, but also with ourselves. We, we find ourselves sometimes like the Apostle Paul who says like, why do I do the things that I don't do and I don't do the things that I wanna do? There, there is something within us, sort of a, a language that sometimes it's an un, unutterable language, but it, it's something deep within us that says, I, I, I long, I yearn for something different. As we talked last week, it was, it's these unutterable groans sometimes that the Spirit needs to provide so, because we don't know the language to use. We call this language of the soul because words have power. Language can create or it can tear down. The, the, the language in speech, voice, actually brings very things into existence. This is why some say God gave Adam the command to name all of the animals. Because in naming those animals in some way, just that voicing created a sort of power or dominion over them. It's the same reason when Moses asks God what God's name is, God won't tell him. God says, my name is, in the Hebrew it's Yehovah. Some say that it's the, the, the sound of breathing. Others say it's translated just I am or I will be what I will be. It, it is the definition of reality. It's God's way of saying you will not have authority or power over me or my voice, but I want you to know that I am as near as the breath inside of you and I am as real as the reality all about you. Words have Power, transforming power, healing power. That's why they named books Chicken Soup for the Soul. Do you guys remember these? Are they still out? I actually remember getting a bunch of these when I was younger, oddly enough. But what is this? Chicken Soup for the Soul. It's stories, it's words that are meant to nourish your soul in the way chicken soup nourishes your body. Words have a powerful and profound effect on us. And so when we pray, it's important that we pay attention to our words. And yet last week we began with the notion that prayer ought always to begin with a pause, with a recognition of God's presence, with an opportunity to sort of clear your mind and clean that space up and so you can have this time with God. It is a, a pause, an emptying uh, of yourself. And so many people responded to that, which to me means it's not so much that my sermon was great, it was so much that all of y'all need to pause a lot more and so it resonated with your soul. Some of you even said, when are we gonna do that in a service? To which I say, I don't know, but there's nothing keeping you from doing it in a service. So maybe you show up five minutes ahead next week, and when we have our prelude, 
you excuse yourself from conversation and you pause and you appreciate the beauty of music that God is the creator of. Or if you're over and dwell, you show up five minutes early and when that counter starts, you sit and you rest in the presence of God. You clean and clear your mind. Now, I don't know about you though, we have to move on from that because the moment I clean or clear anything, it starts getting messed up again. Am I right? How many of you make your bed in the morning? Why? It just gets messed up again. See, Tracy and I are really clever. We do it right before we go to bed. (laughs) Why let it sit there and look so perfect all day long when you're just going to mess it up again? Or how many times when you get a car wash and then it rains? You weed your garden and those little things just come right back up again. Or you straighten out your garage But then inevitably you get something and you got to get the tools back out and it's missing screws and you got to go buy screws and they're not the right sign. So now you have extra screws and you don't know where to put extra screws and, and everything order leads to chaos. Clean always leads to dirty. There's, there's even this passage in Matthew where Jesus says this, when the unclean spirit has gone out of a person, it wanders through waterless regions looking for a resting place, but it finds none. Then it says, I will return to the house, to my house from which I came. When it comes, it finds it empty, swept, and put in order. It's clean, it's orderly, the chaos has gone away. But then it goes and brings along seven other spirits, more evil than itself, and they enter and live there. And the last state of that person is worse than the first. So it will be with this evil generation. Now, some would say this is not the proper interpretation of this, but that's okay. But I actually think there's something to that, that notion that if we begin our time of prayer with pause and silence, that's great. And yet, it opens up our minds potentially to danger. And so we have to take that next step. I had a friend of mine who believed that God called him to go sit in a field until he spoke to him. And so he sat in a field for eight hours. I can't do that for eight minutes. Eight minutes and my mind starts racing with all kinds of other things. And I don't know if you're anything like me, but when you find that presence, when you find that peace, when you set that pause, you need to know what's next. Otherwise, all sorts of dark thoughts begin coming in. And so this morning we respond or we we move on from the pause to the second letter in our thing. And and the letter is R for rejoice. We're spelling out pray, right? Pause, rejoice, ask, and then yield. And so today we want to say before we go on to asking for the things that we need, we want to go and focus on the idea of what it looks like to rejoice. And so if you have a Bible, I invite you to turn to Psalm 29. I'd invite you actually to mark this, write this down somewhere. It's a perfect one. There are many of them, but if you happen to to need a time after that pause, how do I move on to the next phase in prayer? If you're figuring out how to pray, mark down Psalm 29, and then let's just look at how it begins. I'm only going to have the first couple verses on the screen, but the rest of them you can follow along in your Bible, or you can read them later, or, or just listen. But this is how Psalm 29 begins. Ascribe to the Lord, you heavenly beings. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Now listen to the rest of it. The voice of the Lord. Remember how words have power? The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord thunders over the mighty waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. 
the Lord breaks in pieces the cedars of, the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon leap like a calf, Sarion like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord strikes with flashes of lightning. The voice of the Lord shakes the desert, and the Lord shakes the desert of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord twists the oaks and strips the forest bare, and in his temple all cry glory. So ascribe to the Lord, you heavenly beings. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. The following step in prayer after pausing to recognize that you exist in the presence of God is to ascribe, to rejoice, to give over, and to worship. Because it is God by his own little voice that shatters the cedars of Lebanon. It's God who speaks like flashes of lightning. It's God whose words transform the world. And it's God whose words transform us as well. And so we move now from pause to this idea of rejoice or to give or to ascribe. Now, the word ascribe in Hebrew is the word yahab. Let me hear you say yahab just for fun. Yahab. Now, it's translated to give or to ascribe, to worship. The word ascribe in itself means to refer to a supposed cause, source, or author. To say or think that something is caused by, comes from, or is associated with a particular person or thing. It is to put on something or to give back to something the very nature of that which it is. Now, the word yahab in Hebrew, it's almost like an onomatopoeia. I don't know if I said that right, but I'll give a dollar to anyone who knows how to spell that. It's not easy. I had to look it up. But the word yahab actually comes from a combination of two Hebrew words. The word yah, which is the word for God, and then the word ab, which is the word for father. And so it's weird, right? Like we define this word give, ascribe, rejoice, worship, and that word is, the, is literally Godfather. But they say that's the essence of everything though because it's the acknowledgement that God as Father is the giver of any and all good things. And so then our proper response when we come into the presence of God, our Father, is to take a moment and reflect and worship and honor and glorify and ascribe to God the goodness of who God is. And so this morning, this is gonna get done way early. The gentleman from Holland, Michigan yields his time to the next time I preach. But what we're going to walk through this morning is something that I think is simple, but I think is going to be super profound and super powerful, hopefully, for all of us. You can all look up on your own all the psychological benefits of showing gratitude and things of that nature. But what I want to walk through this morning is this. If in Jesus' little parable and Jesus' little story... When a demon is driven out of a place and the house is is swept up and clean, if it were to return with seven demons, then our job then is when we clean our house, when we find ourselves in the presence of God paused, we need to fill our house up with Yahweh. We need to fill ourselves up with ascribing, with worship, with gratitude. So when those seven demons come back, there's no place for them. Does that make sense? 
Okay, so what we're going to do is we're going to work through, and I love this, a scribe, and for each one of those letters, I picked out something to give thanks and to give God praise and honor for. Sound okay? So then when you go home to pray, you can pause, but you can work through a scribe, and hopefully you can write these down, or you'll find this online or something like that, for each and every one of these things. And so the first one is adoption. Again, this is the powerful fact of Yahweh or Yahab. Did I say Yahweh? I meant Yahab. Yahab meaning God and Father. Jesus, whenever he was asked, would refer to God as his Father, which meant the Pharisees out of shape. They did not really like that, right? And if you look actually in the Old Testament, there aren't loads of references to God as Father. There are some. There are a few. I may have written one down, but I'm not really sure. That doesn't look right. Yeah, it is. But when it is, when God is referred to Father as the Old Testament, it is God's work of redeeming and restoring and rescuing his people. Let me show you one of these passages in Jeremiah 31. It says this, Is not Ephraim my son, the child in whom I delight? Though I often speak against him, I still remember him. Pete Grieg, who wrote this book, you know, how, how to Pray, says the biggest barrier to most people in prayer is, is seeing ourselves before God, right? We often see God as, as sort of a righteous judge and us as unworthy participants. And it's like, how could God even, even listen to me? And yet here's a passage that reminds us, though I often speak against him, like a good father does, a good father disciplines his children, mothers too, but it says, though I often speak against him, I still remember him. Therefore, my heart yearns for him. I have great compassion for him, declares the Lord. That's Jeremiah 31, 20. When you come to the Lord in prayer, is this the picture that you have of God? Is not Ephraim my dear son, the child in whom I delight? Though I often speak against him, I still remember him. Therefore, my heart yearns for him. I have great compassion for him. Oftentimes, we can get caught up in the theological aspects. Am I doing things right? Am I believing things right? Am I going to get to heaven? And I know we don't say this, but this is what happens in our minds. And yet God says, I want you first and foremost to see that I am the father who has adopted you, which is interesting because Israel was God's chosen people. But you and I at the beginning weren't. But the way that we are then referred to then is God has adopted us into his family. If we begin with that recognition can we pause just for a moment and recognize that God is a good parent? If fathers, if fathers bug you, you can say, mother, it's okay. But, but like, like a father or a mother, God has chosen and adopted us. Can you imagine if you were in, if you needed to be adopted? Can you imagine if you were in an orphanage that day when someone comes and says, I choose you to be mine. And even when you mess up and I speak against you, I still remember you. My heart yearns for you. I have great compassion for you. As we begin our prayer, we thank God, we rejoice in God, we ascribe to God, thank you for choosing even me. Thank you for lifting me up. Thank you for rescuing me. Thank you that even when you need to speak against me, your heart still holds great compassion for me. 
this will transform things. All right, so we got to keep moving on though, right? So uh, the A in a scribe, we got to fill our house with this understanding that God has adopted us as children. We got to keep moving a little faster. I said we were going to get it done. Number, or number two, letter S is struggles. And I know, I don't want to say thank you for struggles. And the fir- I'm the first person. I get a cold for one day and I'm like, nope, God, take me home. But, but it is true that if we learn to say thanks for our struggles, it will do some profound work in us. What does it say in James 1? Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Why? Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. I made a lot of mistakes in my life. And some of them have come in the life of the church. Not here, I've been perfect here, but in my previous church, from time to time I would make someone mad. And what happens when you make someone mad in church? They leave, right? They go to a different church. And so I made someone upset, I communicated something wrong, it was the wrong thing, it was something I did bad. So this is God's sense of humor. That happened sometime in early spring, maybe end of winter or something like that. In the summertime, my in-laws at one point had a boat and they had it at a marina. And so we would go out from time to time on Sundays to this boat in this marina. This couple that I made angry had also purchased a boat that winter. Can you imagine where their boat was at the marina? right behind ours. So every time we would go out there, and you know, you could just kind of like not look and stuff like that, and that's okay. But there was one day when I was walking one way and they came around the corner of this hallway and I was like, there's nowhere else to go. And I was forced to sort of rebuild that relationship. And you know, that's just an example, but, God, I, but, but through that, I developed character and I learned. And so even today, except for colds, even today, I thank God for each and every struggle because I know that God is doing something in me. If we can transform our struggles into opportunities to ascribe and rejoice, something profound will happen in our hearts. We've got to keep moving on. Number three, or letter C, and ascribe is church. Friends, so many of us just take church for granted. We really, really do, right? And, and yet... God says that this is the way God is accomplishing God's work on this planet, through people like you and me. We are God's ambassadors. We, we, we look around. These are people who you are in mission with. These are people who probably don't know you, but you want to know what? I bet they want to. These are people who will lift you up when you have fallen down. And you want to know what? The church, like, the church is probably messed up, right? Which is good. Because if you found a perfect church, who wouldn't belong there? You and I, right? We wouldn't be able to be there. It's okay, but in the church, we forgive and we offer grace and we love. Friends, they say, right? Like the trend lines go like this. So goes Western Europe. We're not soon to follow. Did I say that right? But like in Western Europe, it's at a breaking point. And now new things are rising up, but don't let that happen here. Embrace the church Find a small group to be a part of. Find a way to participate. Join in. Meet some people. And if someone has, has upset you, if someone has failed you, say, that's okay. I'm going to try again. The church is something we should be eternally thankful for, even when we don't understand it. All right, now we're going to get into the good stuff. R is this. We thank God for rebels and revolutionaries. 
We thank God for the prophets. We thank God for those who, who, who had the courage to sort of wake us up out of our slumber. Tomorrow we'll talk about Martin Luther King Jr. Come to the January series, 1230 to 1.30. There'll be a speaker there. I want you to do that or take some time tomorrow and read as I have a dream or I've seen the mountaintop. Read one of those and, and listen to the prophetic voice crying out. But I want to add one other one. Just will you listen to this for a few minutes? Pete Grieg, the author of this book on prayer, in 1999 came out with this vision poem. It's long, but it's powerful. Will you listen to it with me? It says this. It's called The Vision. And I'm not going to be able to do it as well as he does. So this guy comes up to me and says, what's the vision? What's the big idea? I open my mouth and the words come out like this. The vision? The vision is Jesus. Obsessively, dangerously, undeniably Jesus. The vision is an army of young people. You see bones, I see an army. And they are free from materialism. They laugh at nine to five little prisons. They could eat caviar on Monday and crusts on Tuesday. They wouldn't even notice. They know the meaning of the matrix, the way the West was won. They are mobile like the wind. They belong to no nations. They need no passport. People write their addresses in pencil and wonder at their strange existence. They are free, yet they are slaves of the hurting, dirty, and dying. What is the vision? The vision is a holiness that hurts the eyes. It makes children laugh and adults angry. It gave up the game of minimal integrity long ago to reach for the stars. It scorns the good and strains for the best. It is dangerously pure. Light flickers from every secret motive, from every conversation. It loves people away from their suicide leaps, their Satan games. This is an army that would lay down its life for a cause. A million times a day, its soldiers choose to lose that they might one day win. The great well done of faithful sons and daughters. Such heroes are as radical on Monday morning as they are on Sunday night. They don't need fame from names. Instead, they grin quietly upwards and hear the crowds chanting again and again, come on. This is the sound of the underground, the whisper of history in the making, foundations shaking, revolutionaries dreaming once again. Mystery is scheming in whispers, conspiracy is breathing. This is the sound of the underground. The, and the army is disciplined. Young people who beat their bodies into submission, every soldier would take a bullet for his comrade at arms. The tattoo on their backs boasts, for me to live and to die is gain. For, for me to live as Christ and to die as gain. Sacrifice fuels the fire of victory in their upward eyes. Winners, martyrs, who can stop them? Can hormones hold them back? Can failure succeed? Can fear scare them or death kill them? And the generation prays like a dying man with groans beyond talking, with warrior cries, uh, sulfuric tears, and a great barrel loads of laughter, waiting, watching 24-7, 365. Whatever it takes, they will give. Breaking the rules, shaking mediocrity from its cozy little hide, laying down their rights and their precious little wrongs, laughing at labels, fasting essentials. The advertisers cannot mold them. Hollywood cannot hold them. Peer pressure is powerless to shake their resolve at late night parties before the cockerel cries. They are incredibly cool, dangerously attractive on the inside. On the outside, they hardly care. They wear clothes like costumes to communicate and celebrate, but never to hide. 
Would they surrender their image or popularity? They would lay down their lives, swap seats with a man on death row, guilty as hell, a throne for an electric chair. With blood and sweat and many tears, with sleepless nights and fruitless days, they pray as if it all depends on God and live as if it all depends on them. Their DNA chooses Jesus. He breathes out, they breathe in. Their subconscious sings. They had a blood transfusion with Jesus. Herald the weirdos, summon the losers and freaks. Here come the frightened and forgotten with fire in their eyes. They walk tall and trees applaud. Skyscrapers bow, mountains are dwarfed by these children of another dimension. Their prayers summon the hound of heaven and evoke the dreams of Eden. And this vision will be, it will come to pass. It will come easily. It will come soon. How do I know? Because this is the longing of creation itself, the groaning of the spirit, the very dream of God. My tomorrow is his today. My distant hope is his 3D. And my feeble, whispered, faithless prayer invokes a thunderous, resounding, bone-shaking, great amen from countless angels, from heroes of the faith, from Christ himself. And he is the original dreamer, the ultimate winner, guaranteed. I thank God. It's not me. It's, it's Pete Grieg. It's called The Vision. You can find it. But I thank God for the rebels and the revolutionaries. And just because he says young people at the beginning doesn't mean he don't mean you. Oh, yeah. Those were the pictures for it. We got to move on because we've only got 10 more seconds. Uh, <laughs> Next letter, I for identity. Thank God for your individual identity, for who God made you to be, for your uniqueness, for the gift that is your life, that you have something to give to the church and the world. Don't let the world tell you who you are. Appreciate who God has made you to be in Christ. Two more letters. Uh, B, blessings. This is where you can say thanks for your family. I know everyone's like, where's family? Right, right here. Finally, you can thank God for the blessings. You thank God for the the struggles. You thank God for the challenges. You thank God for all this. Now thank God for your blessings. Count them each and every day. And last but certainly not least, we have to say enthroned. And what I mean by that is we thank God that God is on the throne. Let me close today. So here are your seven ways to fill your house, to keep the devil at bay, and then to ask and to yield the next week. Let me read one more thing from Psalm 29 as we close. Ascribe to the Lord, you heavenly beings. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the holiness, in the splendor of his holiness. Why? Because the voice of the Lord, when we move from pause to voice, it, it, it sends action into being. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord thunders over the mighty waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic. The voice of the Lord breaks cedars. He breaks the cedars of Lebanon. The voice of the Lord twists the oaks and strips the forest bears. All his temple cry glory. And then Psalm 29 ends like this. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The order that leads to chaos, the clean that leads to messy, the Lord sits enthroned over all of it. The Lord is enthroned as king forever. And all of this that we ascribe to God, then at the end it says this, the Lord gives strength to his people. And the Lord blesses his people with shalom. The Lord 
blesses his people with peace. And so pause as you begin your prayer. But now as we move into this week, rejoice, ascribe, give thanks and praise and honor to God, our Father, your Father, and mine, whose voice shakes the earth, who sits enthroned above the chaos, and who blesses his people with peace. Let's pray. God, this morning, we do give you any and all glory that our feeble little hearts and minds and souls can muster up. Lord, there are, we cannot generate our feelings, but we acknowledge that in some profound way that sometimes doesn't even really sit in us, our adoption as your children is the greatest news of all time. The fact that you are a God who, who needs to speak against us so that we might be raised and reared as your representatives, bearing your image on this earth, but also knowing that you never forget us, that your heart yearns for us, is a truth too great for us to understand. But we ascribe it to you anyway. Lord, we thank you for our struggles in the midst of them, Lord, you are transforming us and we pray for courage as we move through this. Lord, we thank you for this church and all churches that gather together a bunch of broken, messed up people and in some way believe that your spirit and the person of Jesus will transform us into a power for good in this world. Lord, we thank you for the rebels and the revolutionaries, those who speak your prophetic word into a world that is filled with so much chaos. We thank you, Lord, for our identity, for who you have made us, for how you have knit us together in our mother's womb. We praise you and glorify you for that. Lord, for blessings too numerous to count, we are incredibly grateful. And last but certainly not least, Lord, we acknowledge that you are on the throne. We ascribe to you all power and glory. We ascribe to your voice the thundering, transformative, creative power that moves over the flood, that breaks apart trees, and ultimately gives us power and peace. In Jesus' name, amen.